Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show that is so bad if it was delivered by Amazon, porch pirates would just quit. Now I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe-smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you on a a lovely summer Tuesday. And on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show and Pipe Parts, we are going to uh, continue the uh, three must-tries. And this time I'm going after uh, English Oriental blends. So, yeah, anyway... I don't think you should, well, uh, well, I'll get into that, but you'll, I'll give you three uh, English Orientals to try, and then my guest is Rob Dickey, maker of Our Dickey Pipes, and we'll have uh, music from Rob, and mailbag and rant, all that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show, and remember, this show comes out on Tuesday, and this Saturday, Saturday, this coming Saturday, the uh, JDRF auction items will begin. Uh, the tobaccos will be listed on Steve Fallon's pipestud.com. That happens at 11 a.m. U.S. Eastern Time. And they'll all be marked as uh, JDRF Pipes Magazine radio show, so you'll know about that. And then also on his eBay store, that's where the pipes, that's where the accessories, that's where the uh, custom-made uh, fishing rod, that's where all that will end up on uh, this week's, uh, on the auction site, on eBay, Pipe Stud, and then those will run for one week. And remember, 100% of the sale price of all these items goes directly to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation to help uh, find a cure for type 1 diabetes and, uh, you know, not only find a cure, but find uh, better ways of managing diabetes, which is, you know, getting better and better. And all that money goes towards helping people like my daughter live a uh, full and... uh, yeah, as full and healthy life as possible with uh, with all your help. So remember, thank you to uh, Steve Fallon for all of his work on this. He picks up the eBay fees, the shipping charges, all that stuff. And every dime that you spend goes directly to the JDRF. So appreciate that. Keep an eye out. Again, uh, tobaccos start on Saturday uh, at 11 a.m. Eastern time, and then on Saturday is when the listings start on eBay for those great pipes and uh, that leather pipe, those leather pipe bags. Uh, anyway, yeah, so keep an eye out for that. All right, let's get the show rolling. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. There's nothing quite like hunting at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. And again, three... um, Three suggestions if you want to try a uh, English that's primarily Oriental and uh, yeah has a so in order to be an Oriental first of all it's got to have a good portion of Oriental or Turkish leaf in it and the Latakia is not the predominant flavor in my book all right so I'm looking at uh, you know three different blends. I also picked out ones that are readily available, sort of, but and I also picked out blends that represent three diverse uh, from three different manufacturers, so that you get a diverse uh, attempt at a different style of an Oriental. So, you know, again, so I picked out three different ones, and and here's the hard part for me with this: um, I don't smoke these. You know, I don't smoke Oriental blends. I do have some, I have, uh, you know, an Oriental Virginia that I like from way back, but it's no longer available, so why worry about it? 
but again, these are all what would be under the, you know, classified under Virginia's or uh, classified under English blends, but they're more oriental forward. And to start off with the three blends, I think the one that you've got to talk about first and foremost is now the Peterson Early Morning Pipe. And this is the old Dunhill blend that goes all the way back to, uh, you know, when Alfred was in diapers and got up in the morning. Uh, it's described as uh, an English blend of earthy orientals and a bit of Latakia. Sweet, bright, and red Virginia tobaccos lightly stoved for a well-balanced mixture that's ideal as a day's first smoke. Uh, again, here we're looking at, and this is now made by Scandinavian Tobacco Group in Denmark, but this is a blend that, in my mind, is when you think Oriental or English Oriental blends, this is the one that all current production has to be judged by. So if you're looking in this area, you have to try Peterson's Early Morning Pipe. Uh, the second one, and I went on a bit of a run trying to find these and you know, trying to make sure that these were all readily available, been around for a while, uh, you know, simple, easy to find. And this one is from, uh, from Greg Pease, the GLP's Caravan. And the reason I picked Caravan is he uses some he uses a blend of Orientals in it. So it's described as a rich, smoky Cyprian Latakia and a variety of wonderful Oriental tobaccos set the stage for this blend. Lemon and red Virginias provide support while adding a hint of sweetness. Finally, a touch of air cured leaf is added for a slightly fuller body. Caravan is full and exotic, rich and spicy. Uh, they call it a Balkan style. I would say because of the interesting use of Orientals, this is going to be more of a full-bodied English Oriental style. Try it. Try it. If you like the way this works, then you can work around through some of Greg's other, uh, other blends that... You know, it may give you a little bit more Oriental or less Latakia. But again, I like the way, the and from the reviews, I like the way the Orientals work in this blend in particular. The third and final one, and this one comes from Planta in Germany. And I've reviewed it before on the show. And it's called Presbyterian. Uh, Presbyterian is... Uh, is a Virginia-based tobacco with Macedonian grades, and it's got that little bit of aromatic to it that my wife described to me as uh, the house was on fire with cherries on top, and that's what it smelled like to her. Uh, but again, Presbyterian is a long, long-standing blend, sometimes hard to get a hold of, but maybe now that... Uh, now that uh, McBaron owns Planta, maybe a little bit easier. Things will start to loosen up. Never know. Um, but it goes all the way back to the 1920s from when this was blended. Uh, and then it says in the, in the description, it says, as there continues to be controversy, or since it's British, controversy, over the question of whether Presbyterian mixture contains Latakia, the following quote from page 6 of the Blender's 2008 catalog should leave the matter settled. Extraordinary, extraordinarily soft blend of the finest U.S. Virginia grades and a number of selected Latakia leaf tips. Ideal mixture for beginners with English tobaccos. There's Macedonian grade leaf all throughout it. And this is another variation. So it'll give you an idea. Do I like this? Uh, when we talk, and again, I'm going to bounce back and say that, you know, if you're looking for an Oriental forward English blend, the first one you have to try is early morning pipe. And then the other two, you know, you can move around. And then, and then I'll also say, this is one area where I am not the leading expert in my, in, in my own opinion, on my own opinion on it, because I really don't smoke these that much. And I really don't have a clue. There are some Latakia heavy blends that use Orientals as a flavoring. You'll even find 
Perique or dark fired in some Latakia blends, but I wanted blends where either Macedonian, Turkish, Greek, that whole Oriental, the whole Oriental leaf region was real well represented and was used with purpose and not just used because, well, we need to add a dash of this or a dash of that. So again, my three suggestions, uh, Peterson's Early Morning Pipe, GLP's Caravan, and from Planta Presbyterian Mixture. Try those if you're looking to go down this road and then maybe move a little bit left or right depending on which factory you like the better. So there you go. All right, in just a minute, my conversation with Rob Dickey. This is Internet Radio. Being at the forefront of craft tobacco production for over 20 years, we've been involved in some rather interesting projects at Cornell and Dale. From the Cellar Series to the Small Batch Project, we're extremely proud of how far we've come. So moving forward, we wanted to take it back to basics, and that's what the Burley Flake Series is all about. Burley is an underrated varietal, but there is a ton of nuance there. Using various condimental tobaccos to accentuate different aspects of the air-cured leaf, each blend in this series is intended to showcase different individual subtleties inherent to Burley. It's a simple concept, one that I think really speaks to the essence of what we do at C&D. As a crew of folks who just love tobacco, it's also really good. Cornell and Deal's Burley Flakes series, wherever fine tobaccos are sold. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining us is Rob Dickey, maker of R. Dickey Pipes, a part-time pipe maker. But uh, Rob, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot, Brian. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah. All right. So is Dickey really your, is, is that your real last name or is that like Believe some... it or not, I was born a Dickey and I'll die one. <laughs> so again, so before we get started with the pipe stuff, let's just talk about that. Um, what was that like growing up and maybe <laughs> going to school and stuff with a name like Dickey? Well, you know, fortunately, I have a younger brother, so I got to grow up being Big Dicky, <laughs> and he got to grow up being the Little Dicky. So um, <laughs> it wasn't too bad, you know. Uh, you, uh, kids are cruel, but you know, you, you take it—you <laughs> take it with a grain of salt, you know. So when you see your brother, do you still refer to him as Little Dicky? Occasionally, when I want to piss him off. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and, and does he fire back with, um, uh, gee, Rob, you're a big dicky. <laughs> nah, he just usually punches me in the arm. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, <laughs> wait, let me guess. He actually outgrew you and got bigger than you are. No, believe it or not. He's quite, he's, he is a small dicky, so it's, <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> well, hope he's not listening. Um, <laughs> this will not come out around Christmas time, so you should be fine at family events and stuff. So you're good. <laughs> All right, off the off the Dicky thing. Um, where'd you grow up, and when did you grow up, and uh, what did you want to be when you grew up? Um, I was born in 1976 in St. Louis, Missouri, um, and my folks wanted to kind of move out of the city, so we moved to a tiny little town uh, in kind of the south central part of Missouri, next to Arkansas, called West Plains, Missouri, and uh, grew up there. It was great. I mean, um, we lived on a 200-acre estate, had a lake, had four-wheelers, boats, fishing, that kind of thing. Um, you know, um, a great. You know, at the time, you're like, eh, I want to live in the big city. You know what I mean? There's <laughs> nothing to do here. But retrospectively, it's like it, it couldn't have asked for a greater, greater childhood. Um, you know, went to high school, West Plains High School. Had uh, my favorite classes were shop classes obviously metal and wood shop had a great teacher um introduced me to the wood lathe and metal lathe things like that um but uh started playing music um when i was 11 uh, started on guitar my brother was uh, a drummer still is a drummer and uh we that was our focus forever uh it's all we did eat sleep breathe drink music you know and formed a band with a couple other friends and then uh 
you know, decided that the small town wasn't the, the place to pursue music. So we moved, had, had a couple of friends that worked at Emerald Sound Studios down in uh, Nashville. Uh-oh. And they said, hey, why don't you come down on the you know, summertime? We have, uh, you know, all the acts are going out on tour. So we have a lot of free time at the studio come down. We'll let you cut, uh, you know, a five song EP, a little demo um, for free. So went down there. I had a job and everything. I was like, hey, I got to go record. So um, <laughs> we went down to uh, Nashville. And within the space, I think, of about five, four or five days, we cut a five-song EP. And we just thought it was awesome. It was a lot of fun. And said, hey, you know, there's a scene down here. Why don't we move? So packed up everything and, and moved down to Nashville. And um, we uh, we toured around um, all the way up from, from New York down to, to Florida. Uh, over the course of about five years and just had a lot of fun, um, you know, made some money and, and it was just a good time. Um, but, what, was, you know, wait, what, what was the name of the band? Undershade, two words, U-N-D-E-R-S-H-A-D-E. I think there's still some some videos and stuff on YouTube. Um, we were kind of a jammy, sort of folky, jazzy, uh, just kind of an amalgamation of all different <laughs> kinds of styles and acoustic groove rock kind of so a little dave matthews sort of um mm-hmm. but um we went we went uh, well over uh at the college in the college scene we went uh, we did played a lot of frat houses and frat parties and things like that so it was a good time man it was uh it was a big part of my life for a, for a long time but you know um circumstances change people change life changes and band broke up and uh Jimmy quit and, uh, and Jody got married. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Exactly. The proverbial, uh, the proverbial story there. But yeah, yeah, so we, um, I met my wife, um, and you know, we got married, kids, all that. And, um, her parents decided, uh, they wanted to move from Tennessee and they moved out here to Colorado and they loved it. And they're like, you guys got to come out here. And I was resistant. Don't know why. Um, didn't want to, we had bought a house like five years prior to that and they wanted us to, to come out and check it out. So then we flew out here like four or five times, just checking it out. And finally I told my wife, all right, yeah, I, I can do this. I like the Rockies. <laughs> it's cool. So, so, uh, we packed it all up, sold the house and, and moved down here. And, um, I guess it was probably about three years ago. Um, uh, well, you know, as far as pipes go, mm-hmm. um, you know, I had, well, while I was still living in Tennessee, I was a pretty heavy cigarette smoker. I come from a long line of tobacco users. And so growing up, um, you know, my parents smoked inside. It was like you had to wade through the clouds yeah. <laughs> of smoke, you know. Um, and um, that might have addicted me <laughs> early <laughs> in life to, to tobacco. But um, I was a heavy smoker and I didn't like what uh, it was doing to me you know, I could feel it you know because smoking pack and a half a day and um so I said you know I have a guy I worked with he was our safety coordinator where I work he smoked a pipe and I was like you know I'm like that so went down to my uh, local tobacconist and um he hooked me up with a Savinelli and uh I tried to replace cigarette smoking with pipe smoking and being a novice and nobody I knew really smoked other than that guy and I was smoking this thing like a cigarette. I was breathing it in and that was making me feel even worse. So I put it down. Um, I got on the electronic cigarette kind of thing. It was going in full swing and that got me off of the, off the butts. But, um, uh, I still had uh, a couple of pipes that I had bought. And, um, so I, uh, I was like, you know, um, I'm going to put it away. We moved. I put my, I packed my pipes up, tobacco, put it in a box, moved to Colorado. Um, and I left them. I had boxes that I didn't unpack for like a year or two. And then one day I'm out in the garage and I'm like, Oh yeah, there's all this crap that I need to unbox. And I found <laughs> my pipes and I was like, Hey pipes. And I had a, uh, <laughs> had an old tin of, uh, some McClellan, um, aromatic Captain cool. I think it was. Oh, yeah. And, uh, loaded up a bowl and smoked it like you're supposed to smoke a pipe. And I was like, I really like this. And so, um, you know, I, I just got back into it and, you know, I was like getting kind of tired of the pipes that I had, not that they were bad pipes, but I had a church burden, which isn't you know real practical. And then, um, I broke my other, 
my other one and um i was looking at pipes on on the internet and i'm like geez you know there's some really nice pipes out there but you're talking you know anywhere from 150 to 500 dollars for a nice pipe and you know I heard Jeff Grasick say one time, his mom told him he had champagne taste on a beer budget, you know, <laughs> and that's kind of like, like, uh, I was feeling that pretty hard. So I was like, you know, I, what if I just made my own pipes, you know, sure. I could make pipes just as good as that, you know? And so my wife bought <laughs> a kit for me and I had a little Dremel, you know, and I went to town and boy, I just thought it was the greatest thing. It hooked me for sure. And, um, and then I just went from there. You know, as far as with uh, uh, getting on uh, on uh, Pipe Makers Forum and getting on Vermont Freehand and Raw Crafted and looking at what they had as far as just beginning stuff. And I just went from there and it became just like I was like crack to me. So it's kind of a chance for you to play with some of your uh, high school shop skills and start. Yeah, a lot of it. A lot of it came back. I mean, especially the metal lathe. I was really surprised, you know, uh, looking back on it, that my shop teacher, he's like, here, here's a metal lathe, you know, <laughs> here's a piece of aluminum, go to town. He didn't give me any other instructions other than that. And I mean, you know, metal lathe spinning at, you know, 2100 RPM is a very dangerous tool, you know. <laughs> and so I just took it slow and messed around with it. And when I got my, my own metal lathe, uh, a lot of that, you know, came back to me oh yeah cross slide and you know auto feed and all that and um so it translated a little bit but there's a there's a steep learning curve um to working with a metal lathe you know uh and it takes a while you got to go slow because you can hurt yourself leave a chuck key in your chuck and fling it across the room and you know <laughs> it's uh it's a uh, can be dangerous that is a perfect spot for us to take a break. When we come back, we'll have more with Rob Dickey in just a minute. A Savinelli pipe is a testament to a long legacy, fortified by well-worn hands and destined to be enjoyed for generations. For over 150 years, Savinelli has been dedicated to sourcing the world's finest briar, committed to pushing the boundaries of pipe design, and devoted to the tradition of Italian pipe making. Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. And like you, there can only be one Savinelli. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting with Rob Dickey, maker of R. Dickey Pipes. And, uh... I guess if you made a Magnum size, that would be a, a really big Dickie. Uh, <laughs> Massively yeah. thick Dickie. Yeah. yeah. And I just got, I just got to say that, you know, there, there was a line back there about your brother, little Dickie playing the drums and beating <laughs> the skins. Um, oh, he's never going to forgive me for this interview. <laughs> no, I, no, I don't know. Sorry, I, Steve. I'm so sorry, man. Yeah. <laughs> nice to meet you, Steve. Um, sorry, it'd probably be the last time. Um, <laughs> anyway, all right. So let, let's go back. Let, if you can, because I, I don't know if we've, I'm, I'm sure we've touched on it before, but the difference between the, the wood lathe and the metal lathe, I, uh, I, all I know is one is way more expensive than the other one and way more precise and everybody wants the metal, the, the metal lathe, right? Right. I mean, it's different applications. I mean, there's some of the best pipe makers. I mean, we're talking about Todd Banner, uh, Sasquatch. He still uses uh, uh, a wood lathe for, for stuff. Uh, Scotty Purcell still uses a wood lathe, um, I think exclusively. I'm not sure. But um, I don't know. I just – for me, the main thing was the cutting of tenons. Um, you know, you can – you can learn how to hand cut a tenon on a wood lathe. Um, it takes a lot of practice um, to get precise, you know. And um, I, I think what I like about the metal lathe the most uh, is you can do anything on it, you know. Um, and there are certain things that I still go back to uh, my wood lathe for, though. Um, and it spins at a lot slower RPM than my, and of course I can adjust my metal lathe and speed, but. Um, I have it set up for slower speeds because I use it also for buffing. 
Um, I have okay. a mandrel that has uh, different wheels and stuff that I use for, for finishing. But um, I just wanted that to be able to chuck up uh, a rod of ebonite and, and just be able to bam, cut a tenon, know it's going to be perfectly faced and, and perfectly cylindrical and symmetrical. Um, and it just changed, it just changed my, my whole view, um, of making, when I, you know, the process of making pipes, um, I love it. I mean, it's just, it's the greatest thing. And I think that anybody who is seriously going to consider, you know, taking, taking pipe making seriously, um, should it, should it at least, uh, uh give it a whirl, get, you know, tr- try to, to, to spin a block of briar, um, on a metal lathe and and see how it feels it's it's intimidating at first because it is you know a big heavy powerful machine <laughs> yeah. um, not that wood lathes aren't my wood lathe is a small mini wood lathe um but it can be intimidating you just gotta take it slow and and observe safety precautions safety glasses don't wear any type of loose clothing jewelry things like that get ripped off and never leave the key and the chuck <laughs> that's a big thing <laughs> I, I did that one time and luckily it didn't fling it across the shop um it hit hit the uh the ways uh on the side and just jammed and so quickly turned it off but that's i've heard more horror stories about people leaving chuck keys in the chuck and some people actually will chain the chuck key you know to to some parts so they know it's there and you know it's always accessible but yeah, I, I love uh, I love my metal lathe. It's it's not expensive, really, and it's like a fifteen hundred dollar grizzly, um, but it does everything that I need. It has a big enough swing, um, and I I just love it. Now, are you also drilling the tobacco chamber and the draft holes on the lathe? Yeah, yeah, I drill I drill everything on the lathe, um, and that that's great too. I mean, just like uh, the precision. I had a, I bought a little when I first started. I bought a cheap little drill drill press uh, and that worked but to have everything accessible on one machine um just uh, makes the process quicker and, and more efficient now do you prefer to drill your holes first and then shape or are you shaping first and then drilling later um yeah i drill first um it's just the kind of the way that i i learned um yeah, I, I drill uh, my uh, draft and mortise first, and then uh, meet the meet them up with the tobacco chamber, and then I do um, you know the shaping. I mean, I, I guess if I could go through because you know every pipe's different, but um, most of the time I'll I'll go ahead and, and kind of rough shape, uh, turn the 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 end of the shank first, face it, and then um, drill my my uh, my draft and mortise holes, flip the block around, and then do my chamber and then, you know, um, the top of the rim. But I, I do eventually want to, to get into, uh, the Danish style where, um, or the Danish school of, of freehand shaping and, and, you know, um, freehand drilling. That's something that, uh, I guess it's not so much an intimidation factor. It's just, I, I, I know what my, I know my process well. And so, um, you know, backed up with commissions, I just do what I know. Yeah. Uh, and haven't had a lot of time to experiment, but uh, I'll get there eventually. I know a lot of guys like it, and um, you know it allows you to work around flaws in the briar. Um, but I just I haven't had a opportunity really to experiment with it. But on the other hand, also if you drill first and you find a flaw inside the pipe, well then you haven't done all that shaping on the outside. Yeah, and right. you can kind of move on from that block pretty quick if you have to. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, for me, um, you know, being, uh, not, a, not a professional pipe maker, or at least not a full-time professional pipe maker. Uh, anytime I have to throw a block of briar out, it hurts a little bit. You know what I mean? I've got two five gallon buckets full <laughs> of cutoffs and, and, uh, and rejects that I'm going to do something with those someday. I don't know what, maybe build a fire. <laughs> <laughs> Is that when the wife looks at you and says, "You know, this little self-sustaining hobby of yours—you're spending a lot of money on that, Rob." Oh yeah, yeah. There's been several times where, where I, I can feel her look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And or then you end up making a pipe for yourself. Uh, right, right, exactly. Shop pipes. I got a lot of those. Uh, is there a shape of pipe that gives you problems or gives you fits, or you're still not comfortable with, or you're kind of afraid of? 
Um, not really. Um, I'm, I love classic shapes. You know, it's funny. Um, the first pipe I ever, I belong to the pipe makers forum. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I remember I was really reluctant to, uh, post pictures of any of the pipes that I had made. And, uh, my father-in-law wanted, uh, wanted a pipe. He doesn't even smoke. He just wanted one to display. And so I made this Danish freehand, you know, with plateau on both ends and this stack stem that, but that was really intricate and stuff. And, you know, I was real proud of it. It's like probably the fourth pipe I'd ever made. And so I was like, all right. I've got the cojones now. I'm gonna I'm gonna post this, and uh, yeah, it just got ripped to shreds, got torn up for all the right reasons. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, freehand shapes are are just that. Um, they're freehand, they're interpretations, and there's no fast or hard rules with them. So it's really difficult to critique, you know, a freehand pipe. Um, however, the classic shapes, hard and fast rules, you know, and those are harder. You can't hide anything with a with a classic shape and i i love them and so you know i was told over and over by you know uh, todd bannard and george devo and all the all the guys uh, on the forum hey you know you should really you should really try the, the classic school it'll you know if you're serious about it and i took it to heart i didn't uh didn't get butt hurt or anything and um i've started making billiards this the school of billiards man that's where i i hone i've honed everything so far um and it's uh, I love classic shades, but as far as like the most difficult shape that I pulled off doing my first bulldog was a uh, um, <laughs> was a, a little intimidating at first just because of all the angles and and you know I had never cut those type of angles with my lathe with my metal lathe and um, but you know took it slow and didn't didn't rush anything and it turned out good. Um, I sold it for about two hundred and fifty bucks, you know, and the the customer was really happy with it. So. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, there's other, other aspects of, you know, like I said, I've, I've been doing this for about three years now. And so I haven't tested, uh, tested myself against everything that I want to. So there's, uh, other aspects of, of pipe making that, uh, I, I need to, once I get some commissions done that I can just say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to stop taking commissions for a month or two and just work on this, you know, decorative rings and, and, you know, maybe, uh, silver work or something, you know, um, things that I haven't uh, had an opportunity to try. Now, with a family and a full-time job, how often are you able to get into the shop? Um, every day, usually for a little bit of time, but you know, you get interrupted. I'm, I'm, I can, I can get a little cranky. <laughs> my, Jen, my wife, can tell you I don't like to be interrupted when I'm in the shop. Um, you know, a lot of things. The, for me, I take a high level of concentration. I don't want to screw things up. Delicate, you know, sanding and sanding around certain edges and stuff and stem work. I don't. Um, so I, it's, uh, I, I try to get in every day. Um, but yeah, um, sometimes I got to stop and make dinner or stop and, um, mediate a dispute between my kids. You know? <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, I would, I, I don't know how many times I've told her, man, I just would love to do this all day, every day. You know, and who knows, you know, maybe one day I can do that, but it's not at this point in my life. Is it, is it harder for you to start and stop the process of pipe making or, and do it in little bits or versus, you know, maybe saying, all right, I'm going to take eight, 10 hours and sit in the shop for a whole day. I mean, like on the weekends and stuff, I'm a little bit more free than on the weekdays. It doesn't like interrupt the flow or anything. You know, I, I, I just, I get zoned into what I'm doing and I, you know, my, it's the same with music, you know, you kind of get off in this la la land, this Zen and, um, you know, I, I, it feels good. And so it's like get a massage and somebody saying, Hey, you got to get up and go dig some post holes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like, I don't want to, I don't yeah. want to stop I'm in the zone. I'm feeling good. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, it's, I'm expressing myself right now. And so it can be, a little annoying, but you know, life's life. And, and, uh, I love my family. I love having, uh, you know, what I have. And so I'll, I'll stop doing whatever I got to do to take, take care of that stuff. But, um, I, I always joke, man, I feel like I am the slowest pipe maker in the world, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, and my customers are, are pretty, um, understanding, you know, most of the time people are just like, Hey, whenever you can, you know, um, 
And so I've got one guy that's ordered seven or eight pipes for me. And he's like, yeah, just here, here's the money up front, you know, just whatever you can. Um, so yeah, I, I, I've yet have any customers that were just like, I want this pipe now. And, you know, demanding people just, they're pretty laid back. And, and so, yeah, it's, uh, it's balance. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, how often are you able to sit down and smoke a pipe? Oh man. Um, all the time I'm, I, I smoke constantly, Brian. Like, uh, first thing I do when I wake up in the morning is, uh, get dressed, brush my teeth, make some coffee and smoke a bowl, uh, before I go to work. First thing I do when I get home is, uh, either crack open a beer or make some coffee, sit in my office and smoke a pipe. And, uh, the only time I'm not smoking a pipe generally, uh, is when I'm eating, sleeping or buffing on the buffing where I have to wear a face mask. Um, so I smoke constantly. I go through a lot of tobacco and I mean, as far as money goes, um, you know, I'm spending as much on tobacco <laughs> as I did on cigarettes just cause I like a, a lot of variety of tobacco. Um, I mainly stick with English style tobacco. Um, but I do like uh, vapor, you know, like uh, Virginia blends as well. But uh, yeah, I, I'm smoking and constantly cleaning pipes. <laughs> so love it. It's, well, listen, uh, at least, at least you do one step better than I do. Cause you get dressed in the morning before your first pipe. <laughs> well, you know, uh, there's something to be said about smoking in the buff, but you know, well, whatever I slept in, I might, you know, no, I'm just, <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying the, the, uh, the coffee and the smoking comes before the brushing my teeth and, you know, putting on and getting dressed formally, uh, <laughs> may have that smoking jacket bathrobe of mine, but yeah, uh, I don't want we anybody getting any weird. There. I don't want anybody getting any weird ideas. I do like to make sure that I'm covered up in case a hot ash goes somewhere. <laughs> but yeah so and and are you able for your pipe smoking you're able to bounce around from different styles during the day or you or do you stick with one style per day of tobacco yeah you know i know a lot of people i don't know it's weird because i i i know a lot of pipe smokers you know they they take it really seriously you know like they they have lots of different pipes and they have um, you know, a huge seller of different types of tobacco. And I mean, I think like most pipe smokers, you know, I started out with sweet stuff, you know, um, aromatic blends, um, the, the captain black and captain cools and, um, things like that. And then I just kind of graduated to, you know, trying different things. Um, the, uh, the English style tobacco though, the Latakia and the Oriental, and Perique um, does something. And I tried, I tried English blends when I first started and I was like, what is this? This is <laughs> tastes like I'm like leather, you know, I didn't dig it. And um, I guess it just took uh, time for my palate to get bored of, of really sweet stuff. And um, so like right now, like, um, you know, I'm smoking, uh, what am I smoking? Nightcap, Peterson nightcap. I, I love that. It's probably my go-to um, tobacco. I, I, I smoke more of that than anything, but I do love like the Orlick golden slice. Just, you know, I like to, I, all my pipes smell like English blends, you know, that got that ghost in them. So, um, I don't have any pipes that are like reserved for this is my English blend pipe and this is my vapor, my, or my, you know, um, burly Virginia blend pipe. Um, I just smoke whatever out of whatever, you know, I'm not that discerning yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure some people listen and they're like, Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, but, um, so yeah. Uh, and, uh, and nightcap's not exactly a mild blend either. So <laughs> yeah, it's pretty heavy on a lot of Kia and I, I love that. You know, I, I've tried other ones. Um, I tried their early morning. Um, it just wasn't, didn't have enough. It wasn't robust enough for me. Um, but there's another one, the Seattle Pipe Club, uh, their plum pudding. Mm-hmm. I really like that. I don't know. They, they market that as a Balkan blend, which I, I'm kind of iffy on. I'm not really sure what differentiates an English blend. I'm not an <laughs> aficionado by any stretch of the measure, but I'm not sure what, what differentiates an English blend from a Balkan blend. 
but uh, I really liked that one. I, that was my exclusive smoke for a long time. Um, and you know, but like anything, you get, it gets, you get burnt out or you get, you know, you're just looking for something different. And so I tried this, got this, um, I think it's, uh, yeah, GLP's put out the, uh, I'm not sure if I'm saying this correctly. It's, uh, uh, Drucker and Sons Limited. They have, uh, Blair Gowry. Uh-huh. Um, I love it. I really dig this. It's, uh, Scottish, a Scottish mixture. Um, a little rougher cut and it burns slow. I can smoke a bowl for an hour, you know, and, um, just different. It's almost like a kind of a, 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 a mixture of like an English blend, uh, meats like, or like golden slice. It's kind of, um, um, uh, an amalgamation of those two in my mind. And so just something to, to reset the palate, you know? So I'm really digging that right now. Yeah. All right. Well, we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer. Just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? All right. Shoot. So, what is Big Dickie's favorite pipe? Um, right now, my favorite pipe is a. Um, what is this pipe? It's a pipe I made. Um, it's not a. I don't know what you'd call it. it it's kind of an author. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually my, the first author that I ever tried making. Um, it just, it's, it's got a, a little bit bigger, uh, uh, bit on it. You know, um, it, it's, it's, it's a little more chunky than the other pipes that I smoke and it just, it smokes well. It doesn't, uh, doesn't clog easily. Um, that that's, so one of my pipes, I guess, <laughs> as <laughs> yeah. neurotic as it might be <laughs> narcissistic. I don't know. And what is your favorite tobacco? Like I said, right now it's uh, the the uh, uh, Nightcap by Peterson is just uh, it's, it's robust and it's it tastes good every time I light it up. And what is your favorite drink? Um, my favorite drink is a toss up. I'm a Scotch man. I love Scotch. Um, either Glenmorangie, just their flagship twelve year in the gold bottle, um, or Edradour. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of that. It's the smallest mm-hmm. distillery, legal distillery in Scotland. Uh, they put out uh, a 10-year that's just like mm, Highland, single malt, my favorite. When it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Man, that's really tough. Um, I... I don't get a chance to read much, although I all day I listen to audiobooks. Um, so I love an audiobook, but I'm a musician. Um, so I, I love listening to music when I'm out in the shop. Um, but TV, man, you know, I don't watch a lot of TV at all. I used to when I was younger, but um, I'm, I'd rather be, uh, rather be making pipes than watch TV. <laughs> and then finally, do you have a favorite pipe smoking related memory? man i'm i don't know man i i might have to tell you what i the the setting that i enjoy there are two settings i I enjoy the most uh with pipe smoking um summertime on my back porch the backyard at our house is kind of like the sanctuary we've got the little awning and we've got the grill station and then the yard i take my yard work pretty seriously um so i love just sitting out there having a drink and smoking a bowl um, and in the winter time, uh, I love sitting in my shop, it's heated and, uh, sit in the shop after working on a pipe and just, uh, pour a dram of scotch and pack up a bowl and listen to some, some nice relaxing music or talk with some friends, uh, over a couple of bowls. Uh, that that's, that's perfection to me. And lastly, how do we uh, get a hold of you if we want a pipe? Where do we? Where can we go to see what your pipes? How do you want us? How do you want us to reach out to you? Um, the the easiest, the quickest way uh, to get a hold of me is to get on my Facebook page, which is just R Dicky Pipes, R period Dicky Pipes. Um, you can see uh, I don't post every pipe that I make, obviously, but uh, there's a lot of the pipes that I'm I'm proud of are on that. Uh, on that page and and you can get a hold of me uh there i don't have a website as of yet um eventually i'll get there but i'm a little lazy in the in the internet respects the thing (laughs) respect the things you know so um but yeah arctic pipes on facebook uh is the the quickest way to get a hold of me 
Rob, thank you very much for coming on and doing this and uh, check out his uh, Facebook page because that's where I saw some uh, pretty cool looking pipes. And thanks for coming on. Man, Brian, I really, really appreciate you having me on. It's, uh, it's been an honor. I've, I've been a fan of the show for some time, and I, uh, I think it's uh, a really cool thing that you do there. Well, thank you very much, and we'll be back in just a minute. Have a look in your tobacco cellar. What do you see? Think of what you smoke, what you age, what you're drawn to in a blend that keeps you wanting more. That's your taste, and whether you know it or not, you've been leading that expedition since you first picked up a pipe, just by smoking what you like and liking what you smoke. But the funny thing about taste, it changes, and you need a wide selection to accommodate it. We at Smoking Pipes know this, and you know it too. So whether you're searching for a tried and true favorite or a singular boutique mixture, we're here to help you navigate the voyage of your evolving tastes. But you're still at the helm. Smoking pipes in faithful service of the hobby. This is Internet Radio. And we are back. Uh, do make sure and check out Rob's pipes before he uh, uh, before he goes full time, because right now his pipes are around two, two fifty, three hundred dollars. So follow him, take a look. All right. I found a recording of Undershade, Rob's band with his brother. Uh, this is from a uh, uh, it's from a uh, indie band showcase in July of 2006. This is a song called "I Know," and it features the uh, Dicky Brothers and their band Undershade.
something inside, inside of me To you, this I promise that I won't deceive you I hope you won't suggest It's best that we just be friends Cause then I wouldn't know how it ends And I know that we've heard of before Sense and you know it's true You keep on walking and I'll follow you To the ends of the earth and back again Come down off your cloud Look around me and go now Surround us now I believe you The video can be found on YouTube by searching Under Shade Performing I Know. And then you can see uh, Rob and the whole band right there. You've got some mail. And remember, if you have a comment or question, email me directly, brian at pipesmagazine.com or post it on the radio show page on pipesmagazine.com or you can private message me on uh, pipes magazine just like uh, Raphael the flat cap piper did uh, he's looking forward to the Ohio pipe show and I will be seeing him and his wife there and he also has a uh, YouTube channel the flat cap piper so you can check him out and his wife's on there too so that's fun i'll uh, definitely check out some of the videos and i am looking forward to seeing you at the uh, naspc show in columbus ohio of which you all should be members of the naspc and get their fine newsletter uh, if you have advertising questions about pipes magazine you can reach out to kevin at uh, pipes magazine and let kevin godby deal with all that because i don't have any clue about any of that I do know that going back to last week's show, Dino writes, uh, another, again, another novice pipe smoker who is years ahead in his knowledge, personal growth, and discrimination within the pipe community. Although it says a lot about those of us who put up with years of trial, error, failure, tongue incineration, and yet stuck with it. <laughs> That's not sour grapes, rather a thank goodness that times have improved. Uh, a very tasty, funky music choice that had me tapping the desktop. Your rant was spot on. Thanks, Dino. Uh, Dino, you're welcome. I'm, I'm picturing you sitting there listening along and just uh, tap, tap, tapping away on the desk. <laughs> uh, Judge for All writes, another wonderful show. Enjoyed it with uh, Newminster Virginia Flake, uh, which Newminster Virginia Flake is a really good bulk. Virginia Flake that I've got to add to the list of uh, Virginia of bulk Virginias when I do that one. Uh, New Broom said, I really enjoyed the discussion. Ryan O'Rourke is a wonderful ambassador for the benefit of pipe smoking. A bar manager is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd be out back smoking my pipe. Uh, and then Casey Ghost says, uh, just another great show. Sounds like the JDRF fundraiser is finally underway and it looks like a good one. Steve Fallon does a great job on things like this. I need to send you a cash donation too. Uh, just wish there was an end in sight. Regardless of your age, diabetes is a tough road to hoe. Uh, regarding cash donations, I do not have a direct link, but I will put one up on Facebook as a... Uh, fundraiser so those of you that are on facebook you can just donate there or you can go directly to jdrf.org and if you want to do a donation through that direct link you can do that then you get the tax write-off and if you want to mention my daughter samantha's name in it that's even that's even sweeter and she'll get a little notice or something i forget what they do uh, anyway dan goes on to write ryan o'rourke was an excellent guest he's already made the leap to the deep end of the pool from Mr. Brog to Costello's in just a few short years. That's pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, it's nice when your aha moment comes while smoking McClellan 5100. It doesn't get much better than that. I am with Ryan on his dislike of Malta Dolce and Haunted Bookshop. Uh, the first could lay in the Sahara in an open tin for about six years without drying out. <laughs> He's correct. Um, nice radio commercials, though. <laughs> yeah. Dan's going all the way back to the Molta Dolce commercials. 
Uh, as for Haunted Bookshop, I just have a strong aversion to Burley. My loss, but that's how it goes. I think he is the first piper that I've heard that says his main smoking time is in the morning. Uh, good choice of tobacco. I don't even begin until 3 p.m. Uh, you have too much free time on your hands. I guess he's talking about my rant. Well, yeah, I do have too much free time. And uh, I need to... <laughs> Actually, I need less free time. I need more free time. But anyway, thanks, Dan. Uh, SW Wright 6 writes, as a fairly new pipe smoker, less than five years, I am thoroughly enjoying these interviews. What a variety of understanding, knowledge, and levels of tobacco and pipe enjoyment. Great questions to them, and particularly from them. Keep up the great podcast. We certainly will. I'm uh, scheduling some more uh, novice smokers and reaching out to some more pipe makers as we speak. So if you have any uh, recommendations of guests that you would like to hear on the show, please reach out to me, Brian, at PipesMagazine.com. And in just a moment, rant time. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. I was reminded this week that Starbucks sucks. Yeah, uh, you know, all right, they don't suck. Starbucks is reliable and dependable, and but they suck uh, because they won't let you smoke in their outdoor seating, and they suck for that. So uh, the reason I was reminded that was because last week uh, my wife and I took a day to celebrate our wedding anniversary and went to the downtown area of Charlotte and spent the night in a hotel there and went for out for dinner and drinks and stuff. Really nice hotel, had a balcony and on the room, let me smoke on it. It was wonderful. Also, we found a coffee place right in, uh, well, kind of outside of the little downtown area, about five blocks, called the Water Bean, and they had a lovely covered outdoor awning area. And the guy said, yeah, you can smoke out there. So I went out there and smoked. We had a great time. Coffee, a brownie, a pipe, sitting under some shade. It was a little warm, but what else can you ask for? Because... Starbucks sucks, um, and they won't let you smoke in their outdoor areas. And and don't forget, CVS sucks too. Uh, but at, at the same time, I also think, and and this is what I do, especially I've got uh, I've got two little coffee places that are have outdoor seating area that is that are very friendly to me and my pipe. Every time I go in there, I always leave a dollar bill, and I just get a simple cup of coffee and maybe some little treat or something. But every time I always put a dollar bill in the uh, in the little tip jar for the people working there. And that way they associate me as a pipe smoker with somebody that respects them, leaves them a dollar and comes in and just has a good time and is left alone. So my suggestions to you, as always, once again, Starbucks sucks, CVS sucks. Uh, go to places that allow us to smoke and sit there and be a little generous with the staff. And then that way they associate pipe smokers as being, you know, just a step above everybody else and a little more generous. So there you go. And, uh, you know, make sure and get out and smoke in public. You, know, you get a lot of uh, get a lot of questions about the pipe and stuff like that. So just make sure and get out there and smoke in public. All right. I want to say a big thank you to Rob for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in. Don't forget JDRF auctions and sales items coming up this Saturday. Until next time. Happy trails to you.
Bum, 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 bum,